Welcome to the Digital Health Insights Podcast, where NZ Hits CEO Scott Arrell brings you key thought leaders to share their experience, views, and vision on all things digital health and more. Full tech enablement is essential for creating world-class health systems, and Scott's guests discuss how this can be achieved, the challenges that need addressing, the opportunities it creates, and the benefits delivered to health, disability, and social care services in New Zealand and worldwide. Kia ora, katoa. I'm Scott Arrell, and thanks for joining Digital Health Insights today. And this episode is interesting because I've got another another Scott joining me today, Scott Hirschberger. And Scott's the sales and strategy manager for New Zealand for a company called Health Metrics. It's uh, Australian-based, Australian-founded originally, but been operating in New Zealand as well for quite some time. And Scott's been uh, with health metrics for three years. Prior to this role, the sales and strategy role that he's just taken up with the company, uh, he was the national manager for New Zealand for health metrics. And uh, he's got a bit of a strange accent, frankly, but that turns out he comes from Denver, Colorado. So I suppose I'm not allowed to call it a strange accent. Am I? So so just ignore that I said that. Um, but you'll enjoy speaking to Scott. Got a really good grasp of the sector here in New Zealand. Uh, very sound um, in terms of the basics and has spent a lot of time getting to know uh, the players and getting to know his customers and their customers. It, it's really pleasing to be speaking with someone who's sort of invested their way into the sector here in New Zealand, strong supporters of, of NZ Hit, which we, of course, enjoy. And it's great to have Scott join us for this podcast episode. Um before I get going, talking to Scott, make sure to send messages through to me. You just have to email ceo at nzhit.nz. I'm interested in guest suggestions. And this is not just in New Zealand. I can, you know, virtual now lets us interview and talk to pretty much whoever wants to talk to me. So feel free, send an email, ceo at nzhit.nz. If you think of somebody that you think it would be really good for me to interview and be of interest. Um and it's not a criteria that they have to be a, a rugby mad fan like I am. Uh, they can be any sports fan or no sports fan at all. And uh, it's it's always good to get other feedback and messages from you as well. Hey, the website's uh, flat out. Um, so just keep an eye on that at nzhit.nz. Um, I'm talking to you uh, about two weeks, I think, uh, since we had the NZ Hit Summit here in Auckland. Uh, and it was a day full of uh, presentations. Great to have people back and um you know, face-to-face, in-person. And then we finished off the with an evening networking session, uh, some drinks and nibbles and great conversation as well. So I really enjoyed that, and I know that our listeners did as well. So, hey, I've got Scott waiting, Scott Hirschberger from Health Metrics. So let's go say hi to him. Hi there, Scott. Thanks for joining us today. It's really good to have you on the show. How's, how's things going for you? Oh, it's been going very well, Scott. Uh it's really good to be back interacting with uh, people kind of in the flesh. It's been a kind of crazy year for everyone, but it's uh, it's looking to be uh, brighter and brighter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, sorry? Oh, I was going to say, thank you for having me on. It's uh, <laughs> great to be talking and, uh, yeah, looking forward to a lot more that the NZ Hit has uh, going on this year. Oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, and sorry to interrupt there, as I tend to do at times, as my, as my listeners know. Um and also for the listeners, yeah. You know, while Scott and I are having this or recording this session, uh, Auckland hasn't long come out of um, well, it was level it was level three and then level two point five and then level two. So um, here we are. I think we're level one. I guess it is, and it's the best that we can expect to have under the circumstances. And uh, 
so we that's coming out of lockdown earlier and then we got we we got down to level one but then shot back up again with some community transmission so far so good though we're really pleased and for the international listeners also um we're recording this on the monday following a, a, rug, a massive rugby game you know uh, you have to forgive me scott because uh, uh, and my international listeners t- tend to roll their eyes, I'm sure, when I start talking rugby. But um, w- the reason I mention it is because Austra- Australia played the All Blacks, or uh, yeah, which is our national team, and it's in front of a packed, like, packed crowd. It's it's Eden Park here in Auckland, which is an I- iconic stadium. I think there was 46,000 people in it. Uh, no masks, unless you really wanted to. Uh, just absolutely incredible when you think what's going on around the other parts of the world. Hey, Scott, it's... Uh, to, you know, I was watching the game on TV and thinking, man, this is amazing considering, you know, what's what's happened this year with, with the pandemic. Yeah, truly remarkable just uh, comparing that. Every now and again, I still catch uh, glimpses of the uh, NFL. So it's uh, remarkable seeing a stadium that's full of uh, crowd, loud, enthusiastic, and above all, safe uh, <laughs> for these circumstances. Uh, for a second there, I thought you were going to say it's the Monday after the election because uh, that seemed to be uh, an event to, in and of itself. Well, it is that as well. Yeah, that, that we sort of, it's an interesting weekend, wasn't it? Because uh, um, in some respects, the the election result was sort of fairly fairly broadcast ahead of time. I think we got got the result that was going to happen, and um, and then when we talk about COVID and the All Blacks playing in a in front of a packed crowd, I, I guess that kind of supports the reason why. The, the election result was was the way it it was, you know. So um, anyway, let's talk about you though before we get a bit sidetracked. You, you know, your accent, Scott, doesn't sound like you're from like Thai happy in New Zealand here. It's, you, I think it's it's from offshore somewhere, isn't it? Yeah, just a uh, just a slight fish out of water here. Uh, originally from uh, Denver, Colorado, in the states, but I've been uh, in New Zealand for the better part of the last six years. Uh, Started off uh, my true professional career in the States, working for a Berkshire Hathaway subsidiary, uh, doing distribution logistics, a bit of technology here and there, and decided to make the move down to New Zealand um, several years ago. Uh, at that point, just uh, working, finishing up a university degree and found myself uh, working for Health Metrics uh, about, God, I believe, say, starting in 2017. Uh, so was able to learn the uh, industry, be able to carry over a lot of the uh, managerial skills and the distribution and logistics kind of projects management things I've learned throughout the years. And uh, was able to get involved with the uh, NZ hit as well. I think uh, one of our first events with you guys was uh, in Parliament in 2017, where I fondly remember having a conversation with uh, you, Scott, and I believe three other people named Scott in the same circle. So that was a that was a very interesting and enlightening experience for me yeah so. true actually that's a good i've i remember that now and it is one of those sort of aspects of nz hit of being able to attract you know uh, top line people uh, and of course anyone with the name scott fits that category don't they so. <laughs> uh, we're, we're not saying that it's an automatic tick but it it, it always helps <laughs> it always helps yeah good good man yeah so three years three years or oh, six years, sorry, uh, three years with health metrics, six years in the country. Coming from Denver, Colorado, that you know, like that conjures up to me like really cold winters, uh, hot, dry, arid summers, 
you know, coming to New Zealand would have been a bit of a, a change, wouldn't it? Oh, just a little bit. I ended up going from uh, winter in Colorado to winter in New Zealand. So uh, it was uh, pretty preferable being able to go from, uh, I believe it was roughly negative 10 when I left uh, Colorado. And it was a uh, nice balmy four degrees when I landed in New Zealand. So uh, winter to winter, I'm happy to uh, trade in uh, the snow boots in Colorado for some wellies here and uh, really been able to enjoy not having to uh, worry about the uh, sub-zero temperatures too often. So Auckland has spoiled me and it's been an incredible journey. Oh, that's good to know because actually living in Auckland uh, or Aucklanders tend to, you know, we, gosh, we moan a bit, don't we? And, you know, because we get quite wet winters and uh, even into spring, although, you know, for the last year or two, we haven't done so as, as much. As, and uh, uh, so, yeah, I guess you would have come from that sort of snowy, cold stuff to to sort of wet, chilly stuff rather, rather than freezing cold. Yeah, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And it's also nice being able to actually see the ocean. Uh, it's something that had me a little bit tentative at first, but uh, being able to trade in the, uh, the Rockies for the Pacific has been an absolute uh, dream. Honestly, never thought mm -hmm. that I'd be able to, to stay somewhere that I can actually look out the office window and see uh, the ocean on a daily basis. But it's been an absolute marvel. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so happy. Yeah, to be well, here. we take... Yeah, we take that for granted in New Zealand. I think we, we, you know, um, we've got relatives from Canada, you know, and a lot of them sort of in the Manitoba area, kind of like smack in the middle of the, of, of the country there. And you know, they come to visit, and that's one of the things they comment is like, you know, they, they, they're just amazed, you know, how we so close to the ocean. You know, we just because where we live here, we're on the North Shore in Auckland. We just, you know, literally, it's a ten minute drive over into the East Coast Bay's area, and and you're on some beautiful beaches. So, you know, and we do take it for granted. I think in New Zealand, we, you know, yeah. um, if you if you don't have that sort of thing, you you, you certainly notice it. Um, you, talking about you professionally, so you've been with Health Metrics for three years. So you mm -hmm. you started out as the national manager for New Zealand, and just recently you were telling me that you started a new role uh, in sales and strategy for New Zealand. So yeah, that's a bit of a change. I think you're while we're doing this interview, you're about a week into that new job and adjusting to to that and having a few new team members come on board to work with you in New Zealand. So how's yeah. that feeling? Oh, it's been it's been an incredible change for uh, last little while. It's been uh, really good to be able to coordinate with the office in Australia where where uh, our head office is located. But we've started building up the team more and more in New Zealand. So I've stepped more into a uh, hands-off sales and strategy role. Uh, we've brought on a new national manager for sales uh, in Jason Satya. And we're also inviting uh, Rafa Jalal onto the uh, team as well, who is a previous uh, CTO at uh, Oceania Healthcare. So we're expanding the team here in a business capacity, and it uh, really reflects how the market's taken to health metrics and what our eCase offerings have been able to provide. So it's been quite remarkable start to finish, and yeah, really looking forward to working with both the uh, both the guys on the team moving forward, and still expanding it out even further. Mm, excellent. And Health Metrics itself is uh, based out of Melbourne, Australia, and you know, pretty extensive business uh, sort of footprint in Australia, haven't they? And mm -hmm. they came into New Zealand, yeah, possibly, but not long before you started working with them. So tell us a bit about health metrics. What's the actual sector that you're working in and uh, making a difference in? 
Yeah. So health metrics, it started back in 2008 with uh, our founders, Stephen Strange and Lisa Vopitas. Uh, Stephen's a renowned computer scientist and uh, actually built the core modules for eCase and did the initial coding in the early days. And Lisa Vopitas is our COO and clinical director. who has got more than 25 years of experience as a registered nurse, uh, village manager, community care support, and so on uh, worker. So they really matched exactly what was needed for the sector by being able to provide a modern architecture for systems with the lived experience that's really required to create something sustainable for the sector. So for health metrics, we actually view health and the idea of care and support on a continuum. So understanding that uh, care and support never starts when you go into the hospital or it doesn't start when you're in residential aged care, but it's a continuum that is created from the day that you're born and will actually follow you all the way through to your end of life pathways. So understanding that we've actually created a number of different, uh, should I say, service pillars in our EK software that cover community health, disability support, home care, retirement village, and residential aged care under uh, multiple umbrellas. So anytime that someone comes into an e-case, uh, should I say, operation, whether that's uh, going to a uh, community care center or receiving in-home support, if you're living with a disability, you'd actually be able to have an independent client record. They'll be able to move with you as you go from uh, the different through the different stages of uh, your care journey. Yeah. Excellent. And so in New Zealand, you've got um, yeah, quite a, you've got a growing client base, haven't you? Are you are you able to share with us some of the the clients that you do have? Yeah. So in New Zealand, we've actually gone through a bit of remarkable growth over the, over the last three years, where uh, I believe that we had roughly six percent uh, market share in the residential aged care space in I believe it was 2017, and we're now sitting at roughly 42% in that same space uh, today. So this is, eCase has been a very popular uh, offering among the larger groups, uh, such as your Arvidas, your Oceanias, uh, Ultimate Care groups, and so on. Uh, where they're able to actually monitor all of their different uh, service offerings, their care plans, uh, wait lists, and be able to manage everything in their business from one point of truth. And that goes for everything that isn't exactly care essential. So uh, we have catering modules, we have rostering included into the software offering as well. And each of these is actually able to allow them to say, we're not having multiple systems that do one thing in particular but we have one system that does everything very well and is connected. And that's, uh, I think what everyone understands is when you're looking at enterprise systems for your business, you don't want to have 10 different systems that have multiple different uh, service plans and updates schedules as well. So a lot of the providers in New Zealand have really taken to this and uh, are, I should say one of our largest markets for growth has actually been the disability support sector where uh, Spectrum Care has actually just uh, come on board and is live with our product today. So great organization Excellent. to be partnered yeah. with. Yeah, good, good. And so is that the secret source, is it, if I can use that term, that, that, that sort of connectivity across your system, um, being able to, you know, you're joining up some multiple multiple dots there by the sound of it, aren't you? 
right. I don't know if we can call it a secret sauce because I think that we've got a couple of those uh, that we throw into the mix. I think that we'll <laughs> probably touch on uh, a little bit of interoperability later and uh, could very possibly start branching into the idea of uh, what's coming down the pipeline as far as individualized funding and the reforms that are going to be uh, in line with the systems transformation document that uh, is looking more and more like a uh, inevitable future rather than just a uh, than just a possibility. Mm-hmm. But the ability to actually connect more in one service offering and do it well is what really sep- is really what's drove our growth over the last several years. So understanding that. Everyone interacts with uh, a healthcare system in a different way. I believe it was actually uh, recently in one of Apple's uh, releases where they informed and said that the interactions with health technology is broken into hardware, software, and services. So understanding that anyone that's going to be interacting with something uh, in the healthcare space is going to be reliant on one of those three pillars uh, we've taken that into consideration from day one to make sure that lived experience is going to be the uh, what stays with the users in the long run. Right. And what about in Australia? So there's, you know, the health systems, they're similar, but they're not. You know, we, that's what I often hear from New Zealand uh, members that are op- operating in Australia or trying to operate in Australia. So, yeah, obviously, health metrics, that's where the company started. And is it quite widespread in the, you know, your client base throughout Australia or is it, or is it uh, contained within certain states? No, it's a, Health Metrics has a very large client base across Australia as well. I think of the, I believe we have roughly 175 clients across Australia and New Zealand, and the bulk of them are Australian clients. Uh, so we cover, or should I say, we have clients in every state uh, across Australia, and we're actually looking to have our first uh trans-Tasman clients uh, joining us by the end of the year. So a lot of uh, New Zealand businesses that have actually taken a look at the Australian market and said, this is the logical next step for us as a business uh, to be able to start establishing locations over in Australia. They've come to us as partners and have taken up multiple uh, pillars to be able to say, we'd like to be able to have your software so we can manage everything from one reliable location. And they've also engaged with what we are calling our uh, HAT team, which is our health advisory team, uh, to be able to help uh, with all of the logistical uh, operations rolling out the system in Australia and helping with the compliance as well. So that seems to be a, uh, a growing interest to a number of New Zealand businesses that are looking to expand. Yes, yeah, I'm aware of that. You know, the, the likes of Ryman and Somerset, that's obviously look across the Tasman, it's pretty attractive. And, you know, there's a, there's a limited... I guess, amount of real estate, so to speak, here in New Zealand that you can mm-hmm. build large village and uh, care facilities on. So Australia would be a logical step, wouldn't it? It really is. And it's also uh, kind of comes down to the uh, breakdown demographically as well, where New Zealand does have a larger aging population that is coming along, but it's the same for Australia as well. I think it's uh, what roughly 42% of the ANZ uh, demographics are going to be over the, the over the retirement age over in the next 10 years. So mm-hmm. just looking at that increase, it's uh, it's hard to deny the fact that the Australian market is very appealing. 
Yes, yeah, that's right. Hey, and just talking about New Zealand with uh, building the team here, uh, by the way, um, Rafat Jalil, who's come from Oceania, um, I know Rafat quite well. He and I mm-hmm. used to work together quite some time ago, and uh, he's a good man. So so that's a good score for health metrics, getting getting Rafat on board, uh, working with you guys. Oh, we, we think so. Uh, we've been able, we've had the pleasure of working with Rafat for a number of years now. And just being able to see that uh, clients that know health metrics have been able to uh, view our system from a user side of things are very eager to actually come over and join the team when it's uh, yeah in line with their next uh, steps careers wise is always a good thing to see. So uh, to have an advocate that says, yeah, no, I've used it before. I trust the product. I trust the team and I'm, able to see uh, pretty much how the sausage is made and still say, yep, it's time to get into this and really go for it. Uh, we can't be happier. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, and it is a reflection on on the direction of travel that you guys are taking and and the growth, I suppose, and but also the soundness of the system. So all, all good stuff, as you, as you say. Um, just going a bit on a tangent here, so we were talking about rugby earlier on, but coming from Denver, what would have been your, your sport of choice over there? Oh, uh, I'd say in Denver, you kind of have to cheer for the uh, Denver Broncos. It's a little bit of an unwritten rule where uh, if, if you're raised in Denver, you have to cheer for them. Otherwise, you're uh, you're a bit the outcast. So, right. Right. yeah, I, I was going to say got to enjoy cheering for them while they were good a few years ago. Now I get to uh, enjoy several years of mediocrity. So oh, not, no, nothing right. quite like the All Blacks constantly being competitive. <laughs> <laughs> that's in NFL you're talking about yes it is uh so yeah, any yeah. anyone that was uh confusing me for a Brisbane Broncos fan I'm sorry I can't quite get into <laughs> I'm not I'm still not quite familiar with league no league that's an interesting one actually because you think when you compare NFL and league it, it, there's there's some similarities there um with the play obviously different rules and and the way it flows but you know one has a one has a whole heap of padding and helmets and the other doesn't kind of to me that they're, they're quite similar. I, I think they are. And it's been a, a conversation that my wife and I have had. So my wife's uh, originally from Australia and just having that talk where she's very, she's very much an all blacks fan uh, rather <laughs> than Australia. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say just something about the team and the ethics really resonates with her more than, uh, more than the Australians. And I gotta say uh, when it comes to the world cup, uh, I find it very difficult to cheer for the Eagles, but that's just because it's hard to really get enthusiastic about a team that is uh, knocked around seven to 55. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, I think it's uh, the reflection in the different sports and how the American sports have actually taken on more padding and equipment to, uh, should I say, lessen superficial injuries but have actually caused an increase in internal or uh, more severe injuries has been a bit fascinating. So, uh, All right. Yeah. I didn't uh, realize that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so it's uh, almost the idea of uh, if you were to go into a collision and you need to protect yourself superficially, uh, you're going to slow up. You're going to approach that in a different way where if you have a large degree of protective equipment around you, you're going to fly into it a lot quicker. And uh, that's kind of what's been the result of a lot of the, uh, I believe it's the CTE uh, discussion 
around uh, football players in the United States. And it's also been a condition that was diagnosed in multiple boxers um, as well. So they found that uh, even though the rugby players might uh, have a slight increase in broken noses and jammed fingers, the likelihood of concussions and uh, brain damage and career ending injuries is actually substantially less. Mm, yeah, on a percentage basis, I imagine. Yeah. So, uh, hey, hey, but I tell you what, mm. uh, we've got listeners right now that are starting to roll their eyes and go, there goes Scott talking about rugby again or talking about sport. But so we, we better, we better make sure that uh, they know this is a digital health show, not a, not a sports show. Hey, um, you know that I got that time machine out the back and I said I'd uh, lend you the keys. You could, go in there and hit the button to 10 years ahead, so year 2030. Um, so there you go, and then you you get out, you, but like the TARDIS and Doctor Who, you step out of the machine and there you are 10 years ahead. Uh, what does good look like to you? What, what would you uh, like to see 2030 look like? Well, asking all the uh, hard, hard-hitting questions here, Scott. I think that uh, <laughs> a good look uh, at 2030 is going to be a higher degree of interoperability in uh, New Zealand, kind of start to finish. Uh, just because the way that we're seeing a lot more Internet of Things and wearable technologies being incorporated into what we do on a daily basis, uh, we need to make sure that that information is coming in and actually being processed and analyzed in the right way. So it's not just being able to say my Fitbit is tracking how many steps I'm taking, but it's also being able to indicate that on a more personal level and make sure that it's actually flowing into whatever systems that you're health profile might be associated with. So in a health metrics capacity, uh, we've done quite a bit of uh, work around internet things and uh, wearable technologies, uh, particularly with what we're calling EcoWare, which allows health metrics to and eCase to connect with most any of these technologies on a provider by provider basis. So in the uh, disability support sector, in the home care sector, for instance, uh, we're looking into multiple connectivity options with the uh, Google Nest and Amazon Alexas to be able to help facilitate and make sure that care and support plans are being scheduled and carried out uh, accordingly. Uh, being able to make sure that any support staff and uh, support workers that are set to be able to fulfill those in-home requests, uh, particularly as we move more towards, uh, should I say, aging in place and living my best life are showing up on time and that these services that are being provided are up to what is expected, um, making sure that there's more transparency across the health and the support spectrum uh, from start to finish. So I think that uh, even though we're talking 2030, uh, most of that is actually something that we have on our roadmap for the next couple of years at the very least. Uh, overall, I'd actually really venture to say that uh, health metrics ecosystem of systems uh, which has been a vision of our CEOs for a number of years. Uh, we'd like to see that come to fruition by then, where eCase isn't a system that offers multiple uh, service offerings uh, in and of itself, but is able to connect to any other system uh, that's modern and associated with the health uh, technology in a particular way. Uh, I had a conversation with John at the Ministry of Health about this uh, several years back and seemed to be that... Uh, we're on very much on the line of interoperability that the ministry has taken, uh, only we're undertaking it in a privatized capacity. And so to any of the health uh, providers with uh, the DHBs, uh, anyone that's uh, overseeing the hospital transfers or anything along those lines, 
our systems are pretty much ready and able to connect with any existing systems uh, to help provide a clear and usable transfer of data uh, between each of these. So that's something that we'd like to see in the near future. And I believe that uh, probably not 2030, but 2025 is a realistic expectation for that. Oh, great. Yeah, I'd like to think, yeah, in 2030, we'd sort of be uh, looking back and thinking, yeah, man, did, you know, did, was there all this stuff going on about interoperability way back then? And, you know, because uh, I've been in this role for just over six years now and coming into it, it was all about interoperability and how we were going to make it happen. And it hasn't happened yet, not, not in, a, in a real tangible way despite a lot of hard work by a lot of good people. So we, I, I, I agree if we can get there within five years, all the best. Uh, Ten years is probably a little bit too long, but it, we just got to get there, frankly. Yeah, and I think that's just the speed of technology where a lot of uh, what we look at in the future and say, you know what, uh, is this going to be possible by X, Y, and Z date? More often than not, it's really the speed of technology surprises everyone. I believe it was uh, what the Ohm's curve, which was uh, predicting the processing capacity for computer chips was going to double as the size of computer chips uh, decreased. And I think it was supposed to reach a nanometer scale with uh, the scaling capacity in 2020. And that threshold was crossed in, I believe it was 2008. So just to see the rate of acceleration and the amount of innovation that goes into everything that is done in the sector is quite remarkable. So even as we sit back and say, all right, interoperability could be a dream, it just takes that one breakthrough or it just takes that one initiative that really catches on. And we're not saying that uh, our solution is going to be the right one, but we do have a surprising amount of uh, enthusiasm behind it. So a lot of our partners in the home care sector and in the disability support sector also want to make sure that everyone that joins uh, their services are able to have their records move with them if they go into one of our partner services as well. So it's a full health record and a service history that we'll be able to transfer along with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you look at the um, the age groups, are pop, the demographics of the people that a lot of your clients are caring for, then you know, ten years a lot changes, doesn't it? You know, we, mm-hmm. you know, someone who's who's sixty now, seventy in ten years. Obviously, I'm I'm pretty good at maths, aren't I? But you, um, you know, and maybe they're moving into a independent living um, unit or v- uh, village with, with um, their own unit and all that sort of thing. Yeah, the. the we're, getting, we're more savvy. We're sort of joining up the dots makes much more sense. So they're coming through with their medical record from from secondary and primary care. So yeah, good good plan, mm-hmm. good strategy. So, uh, and the other area is wearables. And what I'm you know, there's a whole category that I call the um, ubbles. So they've got wearables. Um, you've got ingestibles, you know, um, you've got injectables, all those sort of things. So they, you know, they're not that far away from sort of becoming. Yeah, um, what's the word? I, I was going to say kind of mainstream, and but you know, we're a lot of us now. You know, we're wearing sports watches, or we're just wearing watches that monitor our heart rates and steps and all that sort of thing, um, mm. right through to yeah, you know, taking pills that 
that monitor, monitor us from inside and and can sig sig send signals outwards. Uh, capturing all that and making some sense of it is going to be, I think that's a big challenge, isn't it? It really is. And just looking at the amount of investment from some of the larger groups, uh, so your Apples, your Googles, Alphabet, Amazon, uh, Microsoft, uh, a lot of those particular, should I say, big tech companies have been really diving in, given that I think it's between 8 and 16% of most uh, developed countries' GDP is spent on healthcare. Those wearables or all those ubbles that, we just, that you just talked about, they're going to become more and more accessible to everyone. So with that accessibility, you do have to have a way of being able to use the data and make sure that that data is going to be owned and used in the correct way. So with the health metrics, we do have uh, data. We are setting up a, should I say, we are setting up a data lake program, which is going to be able to help individuals and our clients better utilize that data and be able to make sure that it's taking into all the, all the privacy considerations into action uh, across the spectrum. And given that uh, the need for data security and privacy is uh, at a quite high extent, in Australia, uh, being able to actually use that as the benchmark and say, listen, anything that is going to need to take into consideration privacy policies, individual user consents, and then also ensure that it's up to speed with both data and uh, business data and government con uh, considerations is always good to keep in mind from day one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, hey, five years time, I, I don't know whether I'll be around. You know, I, I plan to be alive, but I don't know whether, you know, I'll, I'll be doing this uh, in this role or another role. But, you know, the I, I just hope that it does it does progress as quickly as that. And uh, definitely people like yourselves and health metrics. And I know with, uh, with throughout New Zealand, actually, there's there's a real drive for it now. The Ministry of Health have just released the um, uh, interoperability roadmap, and that comes off you know, a lot of good work over the last probably three to four years. So I think progress is, is has been made and it's promising, promising stuff. So, hey, thanks, mm -hmm. Scott. Um, now, is there anything, any final thing you want to add there about the future? Did, did, you, did you get the lotto numbers for me or anything like that? I was going to say, if I, if I had those, uh, I'd be happy to share, Scott. Uh, apologies to all of our listeners who are turning, tuning in uh, two weeks after Scott's resignation for hitting the big one. Uh yeah, I think as far as the future goes, I've been committing just a little bit of time to a uh, side project as well that's actually looking at the way that individuals engage with the service providers in the healthcare system and capacity as well. And I think that's going to be a big question mark um, overall. I think it was, uh, there's a study that came out of the uh, Auckland University that actually said that the number of care and support staff right now is one to seven as far as the support staff, your registered nurses, your care staff level one, two, three, four, being able to provide services to the people that they are responsible for, and that number decreasing to one and three um, by the time, I believe it's going to be by 2050. So even though technology is taking off, we still need individuals to be able to administer uh, certain treatments. And if we're putting our faith in robotics or a drastic uptick in um, the ability to self-diagnose or promote self-care, 
Um, it really needs to be an indication of catching things well in advance or being able to make sure that everyone's individual literacies are up to speed on that. So in the meantime, we need to make sure that we're able to actually utilize the staff that we have on hand. And we also need to be able to make sure that it's being carried out in a safe and responsible manner. So I think that's one thing that we're very, we're very excited about as well. Oh, excellent. Yeah, good. Hey, thanks, Scott. It's been uh, fantastic just over 30 minutes spending time with you, and I've got to know you over the last few years since Health Metrics joined NZ HIT. And uh, yeah, I did want to finish on the note that you sort of started with that, uh, yeah, we did meet at that event we were putting on at the Grand Hall in Parliament. And you're, I really value the support from Health Metrics. You've, you've jumped in there and helped to sponsor events whenever you've been able to. And that goes a long way in terms of demonstrating your commitment to the sector and and um you know the collaboration and partnerships that you've been building so thank you for that and uh, hey thanks listeners i uh, really enjoyed you, having you here today and i hope you've enjoyed listening to us despite a little bit of an interlude there talking about uh, rugby and so on that um, make sure as i always say to share the love around hit hit the subscribe button and the share button on your favorite podcast app that you're listening to this and yeah let's make sure these great stories are heard by as many people as possible and oh, by the way scott i actually looked at my uh my listener stats the other day and i think we've got about eight percent of our total uh listenership if i can put it that way our, our audience are, are from the states so it's been growing quite steadily over the probably the last three months since we started this channel in early june oh. so well, good to, good to know that there's always a good amount of appeal so yeah, must, uh, yeah. I, I put it down to my accent. I think I think uh, uh, people from the states really really associate with this this fantastic Kiwi Kiwi accent, don't they? No, I I, I think that has to be the case. And there's always a, a good amount of uh, trust in a guy named Scott, uh, oh, given all five yeah. of us in the NZ hit. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good way to stop actually. And and, they, yeah, and because people might get in a you know, get an impression, you have to be called Scott before I'll let you be a member. So, and that's certainly not the case. So, uh, thank you, Scott. I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll uh, it'd be good to have you back and uh, sometime soon and talk about a few questions you've actually um, raised a few questions during there. So, let, let's have another episode and, and talk about it. So, oh. thank you, Scott. I hope you've enjoyed it. Oh, most definitely, Scott. It's been a great game to catch up, and I'm looking forward to coming back. Excellent. Thank you, and thank you, listeners. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Digital Health Insights Podcast with Scott Errol. Make sure to subscribe and join us again for more news, views, and stories from key health and tech leaders. For more information, please head to our website at www.nzhit.nz, where you'll find links to resources, news, events, and much more.